and welcome to our first official episode of No Thank You Please. Today we're going to talk a little bit about some of our creative interests, dance being one of them, um, and how they kind of fuel our rather corporate lives and corporate career ambitions. Yeah, we're going to see how this goes. I feel like some of our conversations are not friendly to the public, but we will find out. <laughs> None of my behavior is friendly to the public. A personal brand of mine is Carissa Zukowski, public menace. So Carissa Zukowski, public menace. How, what, what was the highlight of your week? A couple of things happened. I think one, I... I quit my first ever job, which was wild, but I feel like I am personally still not even working through it. I think coming to full terms with it because we are recording this on a Saturday. I have my last day Friday, so that will come in future episodes. But in all honesty, kind of like as a distraction, I've gone all into this podcast for I just needed to channel my energy. And yesterday, or no, two days ago, I went down like a deep rabbit hole of audio and sound, especially for folks who are first starting out on a podcast. So if you have feedback on how our audio setups are going, I did make a note and share it with Karishma about what I needed her to do to create a mini sound booth in her home with AirPods. So <laughs> I'm not type A at all. <laughs> Yeah, so for reference right now, I um I am sitting on on my bed against my headboard and I am surrounded by about five pillows and a few stuffed animals and Carissa is on her floor, uh also surrounded by lots of pillows, it seems like, and like very far from her TV. I've got like so so right now where where everything is on like my velvet couch. So we'll talk maybe an episode should honestly be about my couch because it is so it's integral. a great couch. It's so integral to my state, to my being, but <laughs> this is not today's topic. Today's topic, which I am personally very excited to chat about, is like the best part of the X-Men, the origin stories. Um, <laughs> Krishna has no idea what that's referencing. <laughs> I don't. I have no sense of pop culture. Which it's is fun. great because normally I'm the one who's behind on it. Um, but one of the reasons that Krishna and I, I guess, started this and the way that we met our, our love story <laughs> sorry Karthik, um, is we started off as co-workers. We had very, I guess, similar timelines on our like career progressions. We went through a lot of the same things together, but I think something so unique is that we have passions outside of work that I think really impacted the way that we actually showed up as managers. And so I want to take the time today to learn a little bit more about Karishma's passion for dance because she is a professional dancer. People pay to see her move her body. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm gonna stick with what that. You, what an interesting way to put it. <laughs> so I mean it's it's true. It it, it is very true. Um it's I don't think we should elaborate anymore on that analogy. We're going to move past it. Um, but Krishma, tell me a little bit about how you guys like started out dancing and how it turned into this. Yeah, honestly, I don't really know how I started out dancing. I, so when I was set, about seven years old, I moved to the town that I live in now with my family. 
and I it was the first time we had like a lot of space so the the house we lived in when I was like a toddler was it was a great house but it was a bit smaller so it, it didn't have a lot of space to like run around and stuff and it this was the first time we had a lot of space so I would be in like our backyard or our living room literally just like watching Indian Bollywood movies and dancing along to all the music and songs in it and my older brother was the one who was kind of like, hey, she's got a lot of energy. Like, you got to put her in some extracurriculars. And my parents were like, okay, we don't know what that means. Like, you know, they're, they're immigrants. So their main focus was do well in school. We're going to have a great career. Got to make money. And that's that. And my brother really pushed them to get me involved in things because he wasn't involved in a lot of things. Um, and so just because I was dancing around the house all the time, he was like, I don't know, put her in some dance classes. Um, and it like it was the right decision. <laughs> I loved it. And then I grew up um, kind of jumping from dance school to dance school, unfortunately, which is not like a great thing to do. Um, but I've been part of like five or six different dance schools throughout like my childhood. And I've done some Indian classical dance, specifically part Natyam. Uh, didn't finish the full curriculum, but really spent most of my childhood doing Bollywood. And then in high school, started really getting into more Western styles like jazz and hip hop and very, very little contemporary and things like that. Wait, and here so, I am. So when you say finish a curriculum, what does that yeah. mean for dance? Yes. So a lot of Indian classical dance forms have very strict curriculums. So it's not just, you know, you go to a dance school your whole life and then you graduate high school and then that's that. Um, so for example, for Bharatanatyam, which is the dance style I started learning, um, it is a seven-year curriculum Holy and every God. year yeah <laughs> oh my gosh I thought I was brave for like sticking Spanish out for that long and <laughs> but you were required weren't you in school I fine keep going <laughs> um yeah so part of that job is a seven-year curriculum and um you really start with like just uh footwork and then you go into like hand movement or what we call mudras and then you go into Abhinaya, which is expressions, and then you kind of put it all together. And a lot of um, the pieces that you learn are based on religion. And so they tell sort of stories throughout Hinduism for the most part. And they're like, each piece is like seven or eight minutes long, kind of at the least. There's pieces that are like 15 to 20 minutes long. And at the end of the seven years, if you make it through that curriculum, you take a few tests that are a combination of like written theory tests as well as dancing. And if you graduate, you have this big performance called, called an Aryan Um, which I did not have because I did not graduate. But it is, I am a dropout, but it's about a four, three to four hour long performance of just you on stage dancing for that long and really showcasing all that you've learned over the last seven years. Um, and that's kind of your official like graduation. Um, oh my and other, yeah, and other Indian classical dance forms have similar things. So Kathak, which is the dance form that, you know, my roommate Shivani, or ex-roommate said, <laughs> she, she trained in Kathak, and that is an 11-year curriculum. And she went through the full 11 years. Um, it is even harder and more disciplined than Parthenatyam is. And now she teaches and she's, her students are now going through that same curriculum. So it's definitely, you know, Indian dance and Indian classical dance styles specifically are not, oh, I go to dance classes. It is a commitment and it's a lifestyle. And if you are really pursuing it um, and trying to graduate, it is, it is the thing that you do. You go to school and you go to Gata classes or you go to school and go to Gata classes and that's what you do. And it's very much part of your identity. That's but 
crazy. Yeah. That's so cool though, because I honestly had no idea about any of this culture until I met you. And I, I'm not, um, what do the kids say? Woke, but I'm, I'm, I'm not, not, I'm not like a bag of Cheetos. Okay. Uh, interesting analogy. The, the reason I I think I understand this analogy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, but that being said, I, I think it's really cool how you said there's like a three to four hour performance as your like quote unquote graduation of a curriculum. Mm-hmm. And since you are, um, in my mind, uh, a dropout, which means I love you more, yep. uh, how does that translate, I guess, like for you when it comes to how you dance? Because I know like Shivani and a lot of the folks that I've been fortunate enough to meet through you are more, I think you referred to it as like classically trained or formally trained. Yeah. Um, and I know nothing about dance at all. So like, I guess like, how does that show up in the dance world for you all? Yeah, so it's interesting, right? Because I've kind of navigated more toward the Western dance world. So I still do a lot of Bollywood dancing, but even the dance style that I do for the most part is more hip hop based. And it has elements of jazz in it. And I even take some contemporary classes now just because you know, now that I'm older, I've found like a love for that sense of grace and and discipline and things like that um but there are various levels of training required for different dance styles so some of the dancing that you've seen me do which is more kind of hard-hitting hip-hop based definitely has a lot of technique but doesn't require as much training as you know something you could compare it to kind of like ballet ballet and gut hug are comparable in that like they have very strict discipline there's certain things you must do to get through the curriculum and things like that versus hip-hop and Bollywood are kind of comparable in that there are techniques and they there are histories to the dances um, and understanding that history is integral to becoming a real dancer um, but it's not quite as disciplined as you know other dance styles so I think for me that translates into doing more commercial based dancing so I don't do as much like um, stage performances as honestly I wish I had growing up I do a lot more like video-based performances. I teach. It's a lot more like entertainment-based versus, and it is artistry, but the purpose of it is a little bit more entertainment than it is artistry. Got it. Uh, versus like Gathak and Parthnatyam are pure artistry. For some people, it's very true to like religion. And it's it's kind of like a display of education as well. It's It takes a lot of commitment and money to go through that curriculum, right? So it's a very privileged place to be as well. Interesting. And I definitely, I want to circle back to that idea of access to arts and privilege. But for this podcast, I want to understand a little bit more still. As much as you and I talk about this, I actually think this is the first time I formally asked you about dance. Because (laughs) it's something that I've always assumed about your identity, not even assumed, understood. Because you're, I actually remember when you were thinking of making your Instagram public, because we talked about the implications that that might have of people seeing you um, dance, especially hip hop, um, and how does that impact the way that they might view you professionally? So how have you navigated, I guess, having a deep commitment to dance and having that be so integral to your life and to your social life and like everything? And then also like, you're a badass work woman. (laughs) Um, Can I swear on this? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think our, ex- our podcast is listed as explicit, so... Oh, right. Noted. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but perhaps some of the most offensive things I say 
are, are not actually explicit. Yeah, exactly. But it's, I'm, <laughs> but it should still be listed as explicit for that reason. Fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually, when our trailer hit Spotify, I saw that it was listed as explicit and I was like, what? And then I listened to it again and I was like, oh yeah. It's especially, <laughs> especially, I feel like, um, this is such a sidebar. I am explicit. Not like, oh, my behavior is explicit. I am explicit. <laughs> yeah, you are very explicit. That's very true. Thank you. We'll get into that in our next episode. As we, no, we, oh this, God. <laughs> this is turning into like an interview where you're interviewing me. <laughs> so I'll make sure that the next time we record, I'm interviewing you. <laughs> fun, fun fact, deflection is my favorite form of social interaction. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, back um, to balancing, or not even balancing, but just, like, figuring out that piece. Because, like, I, f- I really, really fucking hate the word balancing. Because that implies that there's, like, an equilibrium that has to be met. And if you're not able to meet that and maintain it, then in some capacity, you're a failure. Yeah, I agree with that, right? It's not a... So I'm going to get to answering your question, but another sidebar. I, I don't like that word either, because I don't believe in balance. Like, on any given day, I don't equally like work and dance and like do home things. And like, I'm a great girlfriend. Like all of those things don't happen in the same day or the same week or the same month sometimes, right? Like there are peaks and valleys of certain things. And over time, I think my life turns into a good balance of the things that I like, but like work-life balance, for example, really has this connotation of like every day or every week must have this good equilibrium. That was a good word that you used which to me just doesn't exist, but whatever. Not at all. Yeah. Um, okay. So the question was kind of like, how do I bring dancing into my career and how, what like role does that play and things like that? Um, I, I don't know. I don't really have a good answer because I, this is so, literally what our topic was. This is, <laughs> I love this because there is no good answer all the time. Yeah. I like there. I don't know. I just kind of do it. Like, okay, so using that example of when I was considering making my Instagram public, that was about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Wow, it's been so long. That was the beginning when we both became managers and we equally were panicking. Well, I was panicking. You were better at it than I was. But yeah. Well, yeah, you were you were a manager before I was and you were panicking and I was like, oh God, what am I getting myself into? Correct. Um, and I was like, but it's so great. Do it. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that was around that time when I was living closer to New York and I was going into New York a lot, taking a lot of dance classes. And I was like, wait, I really like this. And I really like, you know, sharing my art publicly. But I was trying to find that right balance, for lack of a word, um, of sharing my art, right. But sharing my art publicly, but not, you know, making Instagram or social media the primary reason I dance, right? Like I didn't, I wanted to dance because I loved to dance and then share it publicly, but I didn't want to dance because I wanted to share it publicly. Um, And that's a really hard balance and I still struggle with it because sharing your art regularly becomes a part of you over time. And sometimes you question like, am I doing this for the right reasons? However, every time I take a class, every time I, you know, like put on a bold lipstick and, and right now take a class virtually. Yes. And some hoops. Um, 
I remember that, no, I, I am doing this for the right reasons. I'm doing this because I love it because an adrenaline rush goes through me because everything else stops mattering. Um, and I think at the end of the day, that's all you really need to know. Right. But anyway, so I was trying to make my Instagram public and I went through this probably like week long, interesting period where I was like, dance is such a big part of me and I want to share that with the world and I want the world to recognize me for it. But I'm also about to go interview to be a manager <laughs> and <laughs> in a very, very corporate world. And I have no, I don't know anybody who does this, who is, you know, like super, super career ambitious to the point where I do want to be a boss in the corporate world. And I do want to make it up the corporate ladder, but also I consider myself a true artist and a true dancer. So how, how does that coexist? It, like you always hear at work, like you've got to be careful with your social media. You shouldn't post things you don't want people to see, et cetera. Well, is me doing a hip hop dance in like a sports bra, leggings and sneakers and like being kind of sensual, like no, very uh, sensual. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, is that something I should not be posting, allowing the world to see because of work? Um, and I think I made the right decision by saying basically like, fuck it, because they are both equally important to me and I love both of those things making it up the corporate ladder and becoming more successful at work and also you know dancing publicly and sharing my art with people uh and so whatever the repercussions may be maybe people in the dance world won't take me as seriously because of my corporate life um because I'm not a full-time dancer maybe people in my corporate life won't take me as seriously because I am a dancer but you know what like it is it is what it is and that's who I am so if I end up not being successful in one area or the other like I can't inherently change that about me that I love both of those things equally so whatever and I just kind of did it and so far it's been working out okay I don't that doesn't really answer your question but like I kind of just let it happen I don't I'm very open about my dance world to my work colleagues and I'm very open about my work world to my dance colleagues um and so far so good and I think it really helps solidify like who you can trust and who your friends are for example you you're very open to it in my dance world um and some of my dance friends are very open to you <laughs> oh my god we're not gonna go to that one right now we're on a roll of not bringing up me so deflection proceeds <laughs> So yeah, the long, the, that was the long answer. The short answer is I kind of just, I kind of just do it and let, you know, my passion for these things drive me. And I think, right. So something that I have reflected on a lot these last, gosh, two years, as you mentioned of us, like, I think being very close is, is um, that level of vulnerability, right. I think helps because when we think about it, probably from, at least like for me, right, I view it a lot of times from the traditional corporate DNI structure, something that we even spoke, we speak about all the time is this idea of authentic self and like, what the fuck does that mean? But what I appreciate about your passion for both of these things is that there's different ways to show up, right? It's like a blend. And it's this idea, like we talk a lot about it of like intersectionality, where you don't have to be this one archetype of a dancer to be considered a dancer. You don't have to be this one architect of like a female manager. And the reason I bring up that modifier of like gender is because I sometimes, I know I've always gone through this idea of like my physical appearance and my reputation and how that impacts whether or not I'm taken seriously at 
work as like a manager. Um, and, and I think what's really cool is when we talked about that, I actually, I remember distinctly us talking about you taking your Instagram public. And that was a choice that I think for my expression and my, I guess you call me artistic and I'm still very uncomfortable by that word. Um, my choice of creativity, I am still, I think, in a spot where I don't share my work. I share it, I've started sharing it with like you and a couple of very, very close people that I trust, but it's something that I don't share uh, publicly, even really like with my family. Like they know I'm interested in it, but they don't know how I think how seriously sometimes I wish I could make money for it. Um, Like how much I've started to really invest in learning not just the entertainment parts of these things, you said, but the artistry and like considering classes and like learning from other people, especially with photography. I've been like working with some folks like, but I 100% understand what it's like then when I was so fearful of the corporate world shutting a door on me because of it. But I think I almost, I ran into more judgment uh, in the art world because I wasn't fully committing myself or my time to my work. Yeah. And I think that's a good point you bring up. Like we always sort of judge the corporate world, right? Like a lot of artists judge the corporate world for being so buttoned up and having things operate a certain way. But honestly, like hot take, the art world is the same way, right? Every industry that you have has its norms. Um, And a lot of the full-time art community there's a lot of stereotypes of the corporate world and how folks who pursue things part-time sort of like just aren't it. And honestly, I understand that mentality because I'm surrounded by full-time dancers. And I understand where they're coming from in that someone who does this part-time can take a gig when, you know, my roommate, for example, who's doing this full-time actually needs this to for her career and for monetary reasons, right? And she is just as talented as the person who got it, who does it part-time, but this is actually what she does for a living and this is her livelihood. So I understand some of the frustration of sort of part-time artists. At the end of the day, like everyone's kind of navigating their own world. And I think a lot of the judgment exists on both sides of the coin, kind of like you were saying. I was afraid of being judged by the corporate world, but for you, it was kind of the opposite, right? It was the artistic world was kind of judging you and shutting you out a little bit and that's what deterred you yeah and I think it's also funny too like I will say that it's hot like a very strong caveat like Karishma is out here dancing like where people will give her money I'm still paying people to let me use spaces so I think we're in a slightly different space in our in our artistic careers but I, I do recognize too that I don't know I still have like loads of insecurity I think about opening up about that part of me um, and I have definitely hidden not even hidden, but I've embraced other parts of my persona, whether it being perceived as a little bit like colder or more classically like techie. When I went into my master's program for like engineering, like I was like also at the same time researching master's programs for like writing and photography and all this stuff because I realized that I, maybe I haven't even found the right medium that I want to express myself in, but I find it to be not only incredibly cathartic, but I've gotten like not terrible responses from people and some of the things that I can produce. Um, And that's pretty cool. 
but it's also very terrifying because I feel like I'm 24 and I'm like late in the game, right? That it's too late for me to take any of this seriously. It should just remain a hobby. And there's nothing wrong with it being a hobby, but I, I did even consider taking off time just to try to write. I'm hoping that again, people can relate to these types of topics because it's a weird blend and there's a lot of pressure out there to be a certain way. And I think that those pressures are incredibly valid, especially as we tie them into things like privilege, right? Because I'm incredibly privileged and able to have this passion hobby because of said privilege and all of this stuff. So I also recognize the space that I'm in, but it doesn't devalue sometimes the anxiety or the pressures that follow. Yeah, I will say sort of the the thing that you said earlier around how art and our artistry makes us a little bit more vulnerable. Um, I really appreciate that aspect of it because I was actually just talking to someone yesterday who was talking to me about how now that we're home and, you know, doing work virtually, um, I'm doing some fun dance classes for kids for, you know, the the kids of parents who work at Bloomberg. Um, And she reached out to me and she was like, hey, I just want to learn more. And this woman is a little bit older. She has two kids who are in their teens. And she opened up to me about how back in the day in the 90s, she moved to New York City after college to pursue dance full time. Oh my gosh. And yeah, I never thought I would meet anyone like that at, at work. <laughs> like that was, <laughs> I, it was huge. Um, but she was like, yeah, I moved to New York City to pursue dance full time. And I honestly struggled with it. I did it for a few years, but I also had a bunch of part-time jobs, kind of like cobbled my life together. Um, and quite honestly, like gave up on it and ended up just taking like an administrative assistant job and worked my way up through the industry. And now she's a manager um, at a huge fintech firm, right? So it was a success story in a way, but it was also kind of sad in a way because it really brought to light how, you know, pursuing art full time comes with so many sacrifices. And perhaps the biggest sacrifice is a financial sacrifice, right? Of really not knowing where your next paycheck is going to come from and being living your life in that way. Um, so anyway, we, then we started talking yeah. about how, you know, art makes you vulnerable and how we think that both of us now being managers in this huge fintech company and having dance backgrounds, we feel that coming from a place of artistry and vulnerability makes us better managers because in the dance world, right? You have to, you have to be vulnerable. There's no other choice. Like you are being lifted and thrown around by people and you are like physically showing your capabilities or your inability to pick up choreography or, or, your creative mindset of choreographing a piece yourself to those around you. And that is what you do. And you're automatically vulnerable with those around you. And so that mindset that you carry with you of just vulnerability and being completely you and open, I think makes us better managers because we're able to do that with our teams and with our higher ups and with our peers and be completely open and honest in moments where perhaps other people can't or find it more difficult to do so. Um, so I don't know. I just think it's one of those things where, first of all, it was amazing. It was a, such a pleasant surprise to meet someone who was pursuing full-time dance and then ended up at Bloomberg just like me. And it was huge. Um, but also it was nice to hear that even though we had different types of dance experiences, she was a ballet dancer, um, and I'm largely a Bollywood dancer. Um, some of those teachings and those lessons and those mindsets are, are very much the same. And it really just, you know, it's sort of this inherent understood community of people.
Yeah. Um, so that, I, that was really nice. I love that. And I, again, I love hearing like those stories and those connections. And I think I definitely grow a lot from them. I'm also, I think I, I, I really do want to spend more time going through this idea of vulnerability because it's something that I personally have been reflecting on for the last maybe like 18 months quite intentionally just because I realized that um, I, I don't like it. Amino me gusta. <laughs> um, but yet writing in particular has brought that out and I think it's made me digest things that I historically um, hid uh, and it made me a significantly better human but definitely a better manager. It it's funny though, because the one thing I don't want to limit that scope to is like management, because if nothing else, I think it just makes me show up as a better person. And it's also like less anxiety inducing to feel like you have to bento box everything. And I, and I, look, there's a time and place for everything. And I am a proud, I would be a goddamn angel investor of bento boxes if I could, because they are the only thing that keeps my life together. Um, <laughs> but I think we have crushed our first episode I think so too. It is so fun, I think, to do this. And if nothing else, Kirschman and I have a great time. And <laughs> that's all that matters. We're literally just recording ourselves talk to each other. It's fine. <laughs> Everything is fine. All right. But this is recorded on a Saturday. It's going up on a Wednesday. We hope to get your feedback. Definitely follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. But yeah, let us know how we did. Let us know what we can do better. The audio is still a work in progress. Um, I will be continuing my deep rabbit hole. And I believe that next week, Rishmi might be interviewing me. And I'm going to try my best to answer as little as I can and make a lot of jokes. How, how classic of you. I'm not surprised. It's fine. <laughs> it's like the dynamic duo. All right. It has been real. Thank you so much. Bye.